Welcome to today's episode of Direct Mail Automation School, the podcast for marketers who are looking for an edge as they deploy direct mail and omni-channel marketing campaigns. I'm Dennis Kelly, the CEO of Postalytics, the leading direct mail automation platform designed for marketers to deploy automated direct mail and omni-channel marketing campaigns with the speed, integration, and analytics of digital marketing. Today's guest is Nancy Harhunt. Nancy is a renowned chief creative officer, speaker, and author, who is also one of the leading experts in the application of behavioral science to marketing. Nancy's had a long career leading creative teams for some of the biggest and most successful agencies, including Mullen, Hill Holiday, and even Bronner Slosberg, one of the pioneers of the direct marketing industry. Most recently, Nancy is co-founder and chief creative officer officer at HBT Marketing, has been on the speaking circuit at major marketing conferences, and has published a book called Using Behavioral Science in Marketing. Welcome, Nancy. Thank you very much, Dennis. I appreciate that lovely introduction, and I'm psyched to be here. Well, we're psyched to have you, too. Uh, We've known each other for a long time, and uh, I, I can't imagine a better guest to have on Direct Mail Automation School. So uh, why don't we start out with a little bit out of your background? Uh, I think it's always interesting to understand the evolution of the careers of successful marketers. Uh, So, you know, how did you become interested in marketing and how did your early career influence your interest in behavioral science? All right. uh, Great question. So I was uh, I was at Boston University studying journalism Going into my senior year, I looked around, I looked at some of my friends, and I thought, they're going to be great. They're going to be really good journalists, and I'll be a fine journalist, but I'm not going to be great. So I scrambled, and I took any other writing course I could think of, public relations, corporate communications, advertising, and uh, was lucky enough when I graduated to get a job in PR up at Mullen. That was my first go around at Mullen. I worked there a couple of times, Um, but I got laid off pretty quickly because it was a bad economy. But they soft landed me at Inc. Magazine where I worked in the marketing department. And then I got recruited to what was at that point called Eastern Exclusives. Later became Bronner, which later became Digitas, the incredible, you know, marketing powerhouse. And um, when I When I got recruited there, that's when I found my home. I became a direct marketing, direct mail copywriter, really took to it, grew up there basically, became their first homegrown creative director. They used to always recruit from uh, Ogilvy and Mather director or Wonderman. And this is the first time they actually promoted someone from within. And then from there, you know, as you said, I went to Mullen uh, to establish their direct marketing creative capability then I got recruited to Hill Holiday. Eventually, uh, found my way at uh, found my way to I should say Wild Agency, and then from Wild ended up starting my own place called HPT Marketing. I co-founded it with uh, John Sisson, and now I run it with Neil Bernazian. And the I think the pivotal pivotal point there was I read a book called uh, Psychology: The Influence. I'm sorry, Influence: The Psychology of Persuasion by uh, Robert Cialdini, and that sent me down the behavioral science path. I started to read anything I could get my hands on, started to test these principles, realized how important they were, how effective they were for marketers, and 
when I was at Wild, we decided to hang out our shingle and say, this is what we're going to focus on. It did so well that now HPT Marketing, which stands for Human Behavior Triggers, is all about that intersection of behavioral science and marketing best practices. And our clients are seeing double and triple digit lifts over their benchmarks and controls when we apply it. That's awesome. That's awesome. And, you know, uh, behavioral science just sounds like something you should be doing as a marketer. Uh, uh, but, uh, tell us a bit more about it. You know, uh, what, what is it, what is it really about and, and why should marketers be focused on this? Sure. I mean, that's actually a great question because different people interpret it different ways. But when we talk about behavioral science, what we're talking about is very simply the study of how people behave, more specifically why they do what they do. And behavioral scientists have found that very often people don't make decisions so much as they rely on decision defaults or or decision-making shortcuts. What happens is we cruise along through life on autopilot, we encounter a certain situation, and we just default to these hardwired behaviors, these automatic, instinctive, reflexive behaviors. And behavioral scientists have found that humans have developed these literally over the millennia as a way to conserve mental energy because the human brain really wants to conserve mental energy. So we've developed these hardwired behaviors. We cruise along on autopilot. We encounter a certain situation. We default to them. And the important thing for marketers is these automatic behaviors can be prompted or triggered. So if we build certain behavioral science prompts or triggers into our marketing strategies and our creative executions, we increase the likelihood that people automatically engage with and respond to our direct mail, our email, our social post. And, and that's like marketing gold, right? Absolutely. Well, it sounds like, you know, it, it's really about tapping into uh, almost the instinctual way that we react to things, uh, you know, parts of the brain that you don't even know you're, that, that you have, right, are, are driving these types of behaviors. You're absolutely right. Yeah. You know, sometimes we think we know why we're doing what we're doing and we'll tell people why we did what we did, but we don't even realize that there are other factors at play that influence our decisions. It it turns out that people, for the most part, B2B, B2C, for the most part, make decisions for emotional reasons. And then they later justify those decisions to themselves and to other people with rational reasons. So, you know, when you're talking to your customers and prospects or you're, you know, doing a survey or a focus group and, you know, you'll ask them, you know, do you like this product or why did you buy this product or why didn't you sign up for this service? And people will give us what they believe are honest answers. But what they don't know are there are other factors at play that can, you know, nudge them in one direction or another. And they're kind of responding subliminally to these these prompts or these triggers. That's what's prompting the decision. And then they're later kind of explaining it, reasoning out why they did it with these rational reasons. It's pretty amazing. It really is. Well, you know, I I think about myself, um, you know, I'm somebody who is uh, always trying to uh, eat it more. A vegetable uh, based diet, you know, plant based diet. And, uh, you know, I walk past a case of, of bacon cheddar burgers that are pre made at the supermarket. And uh, of course, I have to buy them because, because, you know, I might be low on iron or protein because of my choices. And so therefore, I have to deviate from what I know is best for me. Absolutely. You know, you're, you're doing it because you really want them, but you're explaining it based on a health-based reason. You know, you don't want to have that iron deficiency. That could be a problem, right? 
<laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, you know, one of the reasons why marketers are adopting direct mail automation is that it removes a significant project management burden uh, from the whole direct mail process. And, and it really frees them up to focus more on being strategic in the way that they're doing their marketing. And so, you know, we're always advising clients to, you know, take that time and think about the emotional impact of the creative that they're, that they're building. And, you know, you talk about the importance of emotion in the book. Um, can you tell us more about how marketers should think about it and apply it to their direct marketing efforts? Sure, sure. I mean, and you're absolutely right. You know, we used to think as marketers that if we get the right message to the right person at the right time, we'd get the right result, results, right? The right response. And that's true up until a point. But if we stop there, we, we're stopping short. We're leaving money on the table because what we need to do is get the right message to the right person at the right time, which Postalytics will help us do. But then we need to serve it up in the right way. Right. We need to serve it up in a brain friendly way. And a lot of times that involves emotion, because as we were discussing just a little minute, you know, just a little bit ago, uh, you know, people make decisions for emotional reasons. So as we're crafting our messages, we want to infuse them with behavioral science because that will allow us to accomplish a few things. It will allow us to create messages that are uh, messages that are more likely to be noticed, understood, acted upon and remembered. That's what behavioral science allows us to do. And part of that involves, you know, emotion. Part of that involves uh, something called salience, how attention getting something is. Uh, part of that involves cognitive fluency, how easy it is for people to absorb a message, to understand it. Uh, you know, and, and part of it involves certain just memory techniques, things that the brain just more quickly or easily encodes and, and calls forth. Behavioral science informs our messages so that we can accomplish all of those things, the, you know, attracting attention, making sure people understand, increasing response and increasing memorability. And so if you can add that to also making sure that you get the message to the right person at the right time, uh, you know, in the right channel where they're, you know, they're going to be, that's like a, that's a home run. Right, right. So it's, it's really taking it beyond the mechanics, right, of of getting those messages out and into the right hands at the right time and, and, and really digging in deeper into, uh, you know, the way that people are going to react to the messages that you're out there delivering. Um, that's, that's yes, awesome. I mean, you know, if you think about it, it's going to give you that added advantage, right? Like you, you, you absolutely want to get the right message to the right person at the right time, but so much the better if it's, you know, if it's delivered or, or, or created, I should say, in a brain friendly way, in a way that the, you know, the human brain is just going to more likely, more automatically engage with it and respond to it. So, you know, you, you can kind of think of it as that, like maybe the last mile or something, you know, you want the right message to the right person at the right time. But then the thing that's going to make you stand out from your competition, that's going to give you that extra edge is if you use behavioral science when you're, when you're crafting that email, that direct mail, that postcard, that letter, because it will, um, it will make it more likely that the message resonates with your target because you're demonstrating an understanding of how people make decisions, that innate automatic instinctive behavior that, uh, that we all use. I love that phrase brain friendly way. Uh, I think I'm going to, I'm going to ape that and I'm going to uh, footnote you on that, Nancy, when I'm talking to people. Brain friendly. 
<laughs> a lot of people don't communicate in a brain-friendly way, so uh, that's awesome. Uh, so, you know, in the book, you state that some of the behavioral science recommendations might be counterintuitive to marketers. So well, why is that? And, and why should marketers embrace things that don't really make a lot of sense sometimes? Sure. So um, we're not always, we people are not always the most logical decision makers, right? As marketers, we, you know, we like to think that people make these well thought out, well considered decisions. If we give them the right information, they'll make the right choice. And that's not always the case. Very often we make decisions that uh, that we don't really think about, that we just make automatically. And sometimes uh, on face value, on the surface, they're maybe not the smartest decisions, or at least the ones that we would predict people would make. So uh, let me give you two quick examples. One is uh, people are twice as motivated to avoid the pain of loss as they are to achieve the pleasure of gain, right? Twice as motivated to avoid the pain of loss as they are to achieve the pleasure of gain. But yet in marketing, what do we do? We double down on the benefits, the gains, the advantages, all the wonderful things that will happen if you just reply to my direct mail piece, right? And we know that benefits work. So I'm not saying we should walk away from benefits, but a little well-placed loss aversion can go a long way. So maybe instead of saying, take advantage of, we want to say, don't miss, you know, maybe instead of saying, you know, order today and you can save, we want to say, wait until tomorrow and you'll pay more, you know. Now, now a marketer might say, oh, we don't want that negative messaging that, you know, that doesn't feel right. It's all about positive. It's all about the gains and advantages and the good stuff. And the counterintuitive thing here is sometimes a little bit of loss aversion is going to be what makes somebody respond. That's going to get them off the dime. So maybe you want to remind people of the pain they may find themselves in if they don't do what you're asking them to do, or you want to talk about the pain that they can avoid if they do do what you're asking them to do. But getting some of that loss aversion in can, can be really powerful. And the second example I want to share with you is something called the reciprocity principle. And what behavioral scientists have found is when you do something for someone, they like to answer in kind. They, they, they feel like they're obligated to you, they owe something to you, and they want to even the score as quickly as possible. And the beautiful thing here is if you do something for someone or if you give someone something, even if they didn't ask for it, once they're in possession of it, they still feel this this need to reciprocate. So we had a client come to us. They sold uh, financial funds, right? And they had they sold through financial advisors, and these financial advisors could represent a number of different companies. And eventually, they stopped selling our clients' funds. They used to sell them. They stopped selling them. And they'd stopped selling them 12 months or more ago. And during that 12 months, our client had tried to reactivate them. They'd call, they'd email, but nothing was quite working. So they came to us and they said, listen, we, you know, we want your help reactivating them. And um, you know, maybe we can send them something. So at face value, you might say, Dennis, why would you send a gift to somebody that isn't behaving the way you want them to? If you're going to spend money to send something to the financial advisors, wouldn't you choose the financial advisors that are doing what you want them to do, that are selling your product? Why would you choose a, a group of financial advisors who 12 months or more ago stopped 
selling your product. But that's what we ended up doing. We sent out an email that said, hey, watch your USPS mail because there's a gift we've picked especially for you when it's arriving soon. And then this white box shows up in the mail. And in the box is a framed New Yorker cartoon that was applicable to people who sold financial products, right? And your name was in the caption. So my caption had Nancy in it. Yours would have Dennis in it. So it's this personalized New Yorker cartoon that's framed. You didn't ask for it, but there it is. And it's accompanied by a very short letter from our client's wholesaler that said, hey, we've been trying to get in touch. We'd love to hear what's going on. Have a quick chat. Tell you what we're up to. You know, please reach out. And if I don't hear from you, I'll be calling you in a a week or so. They got a $68 million lift in incremental revenue, right? That one mailing, that one initiative got them $68 million in incremental revenue. They reactivated people that they had been unable to connect with, unable to talk to in the previous 12 months. So put yourself in the shoes of financial advisor, right? They'd stop doing business with you. They didn't ask for a gift from you, but boom, there it is. And it's a cool one. So it's going to sit on your desk or it's going to hang on your office wall. And so you're looking at it. And when the financial uh, wholesaler calls, you're going to feel awful saying, oh, no, no, tell them I'm not in. You know, you're going to take the call. Or maybe you're even going to pick up the phone or, or jump on email and say, hey, that was really nice of you. Thanks so much. You know, it's just we feel obliged to, to reciprocate. When someone does something nice, we want to return the favor. And um, it worked. $68 million in incremental revenue. So that is sales made. So a little counterintuitive but absolutely successful. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, not too many marketers can go home and brag about their $68 million lift in their campaign. And so <laughs> I think I think uh, it would be a career-making uh, move on anybody's part. Uh, so, you know, there are a couple of things as, as I was thinking about the loss aversion and the reciprocity. Um you know, the reciprocity principle, I would imagine you have to sell pretty hard to finance to say, hey, you know, we're going to spend a bunch of money on people who are not behaving the way we want to. Uh, so that is definitely counterintuitive, at least to the finance folks. And, and you know, on the loss aversion, it, it, you know, as a, as a brand marketer, you don't necessarily want your brand associated with negativity, right? Like you kind of want everything to be all sunny and, and smiles and happy all the time. And and so it kind of like rubs against that instinct that we want to present our brand in a way that is always, you know, positive and about the benefits. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But, you know, that's the wonderful thing about direct marketing. You can test because, you know, you may be of one opinion, you know, the finance department may be of another opinion, you know, everyone's got opinions. Who knows who's going to be right until you actually go out there and test? I mean, the, the thing that I tried to do with my book, Using Behavioral Science and Marketing, is allow people to make educated guesses, right? Nothing is going to work for everyone, but if you're going to go out there and you're going to test, the book gives you, uh, you know, 288 pages, 17 chapters, 25 different behavioral science principles that you can test so that you've got a leg up on the competition. You're actually testing something that's 
likely going to work, that's been proven to work in the past, that has a scientific, uh, you, you know, uh, reason for why it should work. It's been proven successful. There's a reason why it should work. So, you know, you're, you're, you're going to be testing. That's what direct marketing is all about. Direct mail is all about, but you're going to be able to test smarter. You're going to be able to have a, uh, you know, an extra advantage so that you're getting out of the gate sooner with something that's more likely to work. And, you know, I also want to point out that, uh, you know, you don't have to send a framed New Yorker cartoon in a box if you're going to use reciprocity. You can pop off a quick email with two or three tips pertaining to your product or service or industry that somebody would find very helpful. I mean, you know, maybe you sell insurance and you say this is the number one mistake people make when they're trying to buy insurance. You know, maybe the person didn't ask for that information, but you gave it to them and it was helpful who do you think they might then turn to for insurance? The people who helped them out and gave them that information, right? So there are inexpensive ways to test these principles and to still reap the benefits. I love it. Uh, let's just dig in a little bit more on testing. Um, you know, uh, when, when marketers are deploying automated direct mail, um, the, there are a lot of tools that help them uh, more easily measure the effectiveness of their campaigns. And, and, you know, I talk to a ton of marketers, everybody knows they should be testing, but we see a lot of confusion and indecision on how and what to test. Um, and behavioral science principles seem like a natural thing to test on an audience. Do you have a tip or two on, on some things that you can test uh, with behavioral science uh, in an in a overall testing program? Yeah, you know, what we like to do is we look at what our client wants to achieve, you know, the product that they're selling, uh, who they want to sell it to. And then we look at why wouldn't somebody want to do what we're asking them to do. A lot of times we think about why would they want to, right? It's like, okay, here's your assignment, you know, here's our product and service, here's why it's so wonderful, here's why, uh, you know, these people should buy it. So now you're off and running. So we look at all of those things, but we also look at why won't someone not do what we want them to do? What would be holding them back? What's that, that barrier? And what would be the best argument to overcome it? So we were doing some work with a company that was trying to get people to save for retirement. So like, oh, all right, you know, what, what might hold them back? And it's like, well, I don't know, you know, am I of the age where I should be saving? Maybe I could put it off or, you know, I don't know, you know, I'm not even sure how much I should save. Like, how does this whole thing work? Or, you know, is it, maybe I don't have the money right now. It, it's, you know, maybe when I'm older, I'll have a little bit more. But right now I have to just, you know, pay the rent and the groceries. So we're looking at all the things that might hold somebody back. And then based on that, we identified three behavioral science principles that we thought could be particularly powerful. One of them was the idea of social proof. When people aren't sure of what to do, they look to other people, particularly people like them, and they follow their lead. So we said, uh, you know, like why so many people like you are saving for retirement now. The other thing we looked at was the idea of scarcity. When something is scarce, people value it more. They place a, a premium on it. They, you know, they, they find that it's, it's the thing that they're drawn to. And so, you know, you can have something that's scarce because of the quantity or because of a expiration date, but there's also the idea of scarce information, information that's not widely available, that's not widely known. So we, you know, we talked about uh, the secret 
to being able to retire with the money that you wanted. It's like, ooh, a secret. Well, that could be good. And then the third thing we tested was something called um, the, the reason why. And what behavioral scientists have found is people are more likely to do what you ask them to do if you give them a reason why. And sometimes in marketing, you know, we talk about our product and service, we explain where to find it, we say how much it costs, and we think we're done. It's like self-evident why. And what we don't do is we don't close the loop and say, and here's why. Here's why you should do it. Here's the reason. You know, this is, you know, you should do this because. And just having that, and the because doesn't have to be this ironclad bulletproof reason. Like we we didn't want to say you should save for retirement because you can, uh, you know, retire at 65 and be a billionaire. It'd be a wonderful thing to say. It'd be a great reason why, but you can't say that. It's not true, you know. But we did have a reason why, you know, it's smart to start now because the sooner you start, the the more money you'll be able to accumulate because you can make time work in your favor, right? So we identified these three different behavioral science tactics that we thought could address some of the potential buying barriers, you know, some of the reasons someone might not want to immediately do what we're asking them to do put them in the marketplace. What we found worked the best was this idea of, um, you know, what are, there, what are other people doing? What are people like me doing? Maybe I should be following that, you know, that approach too. But it, you know, all of the, all the different approaches that we tried showed promise. They all were better than, you know, what the control had been, but, but we were, we were able to identify the one that worked the best and then kind of um, double down on that. So I think, you know, different ways to test would include identifying different behavioral science principles and wrapping the message around that. It could be something as simple as just changing one headline to another. So everything else is the same, but the headline or the Johnson box or the teaser copy on the envelope or or the, you know, the headline on the postcard is a little bit different. And so you do a very strict A-B test. The only thing is that single variable. So, um, So it could be a very, you know, very strict headline A against headline B, or it could be a little bit more, um, you know, directional, you know, the concept, concept A versus concept B, but that's, what's going to yield the information that you need to see, you know, who's right. Is it me? Is it the finance department? Is it, uh, you know, is it somebody else? You know, we've all got our opinions, put it in the market, let your customers and prospects give you the answer. Yeah. Love it. Love it. And, you know, I think it's, it's testing is the number one thing that we are, always telling our customers to do is just test and test and test. And, you know, I think these principles make so much sense. You know, you can test the reciprocity, you can test the loss aversion. There's, there's just so many easy ways to pull uh, these uh, behaviors out of your audience and, and, and then watch the data flow. So uh, that's, that's great, great stuff. Um, you know, wrapping up here, Nancy, while we all want all the marketers out there to buy using behavioral science and marketing, uh, uh, can you give us some some headlines or some really important takeaways uh, from the book that maybe maybe will tease them and use one of the behavioral science principles to go out and buy that book? Sure, sure. Well, I think you know the the whole premise of the book is people rely on decision defaults, and as a marketer, if you can get out ahead of that quickly, easily, inexpensively, if you can get out ahead of that, you can increase the likelihood you'll get the engagement and response that you want. There are scientifically proven triggers of 
automatic instinctive reflexive behavior. They are easy to add into your creative executions. They don't cost you anything extra. They don't take any extra time. But, you know, if you're going to put the message out there, why not put out a message that is more likely to work so that you get a higher return on your investment so that you beat out the competition? You know, there there are a number of prospective customers out there. They could go your way or they can go someone else's way. Why not take this easy way to make them go your way? Serve up the messages in a brain-friendly way. And this book will tell you exactly how to do that. It's filled with, you know, bulleted list, quick takeaways, mistakes to avoid, and, and just easy ways to apply these tactics. It, uh, it includes some mini case studies, including, you know, we could have done this, we could have done this, but we ended up doing this, and here's how it worked. So it's, it's really actionable, practical. You know, you know, you might hear the word science in the title and go, oh, my God. But this is for anyone who does marketing, whether you identify as a marketer or whether marketing is just one of the many things on your to-do list. It is a, a, like a hands-on handbook that will get you to that next level so that what you're putting out there is so much more likely to get the response you're after. That's, that's awesome. Uh, and, and I guess finally, uh, can you give the audience uh, a brain friendly way to go out and buy that book and get in touch with you? Absolutely. Well, uh, you know, the brain likes to take the easy way out and it is very easy to find this book. Uh, you can find it online at, at the retailer of your choice, whether that's Amazon or Barnes and Noble or Target. You can go to the coganpage.com website where you can also find it. So it's very, very easy. Just, you know, Google Nancy Harhut using behavioral science and marketing. And it's super easy to find. And if you want to connect with me, I'm on Twitter, I'm on LinkedIn, I'm on Facebook, or you can come to HBT Marketing, which is hbtmktg.com, where you can find me and a bunch of resources about behavioral science. So I'd love to hear from your listeners. We'd be happy to help out anybody who's trying to craft a message that's brain friendly and infuse some behavioral science into their marketing messages before Postalytics deploys them. So uh, always love to hear from, from your listeners. Well, that's great. Uh, uh, well, Nancy, uh, it's been great to have you on. I really enjoyed it. Uh, I, I hope that everybody will go out and uh, order the book, Using Behavioral Science and Marketing, uh, and, and check out Nancy on LinkedIn, on Twitter, at HBT Marketing. Uh, uh, she is uh, as uh, strong a, a chief creative officer as you'll find anywhere in the world. And, you know, if, if she can influence your campaigns, if she can influence uh, the, the way that you're bringing brain-friendly ideas into your creative, uh, then I think she's, she's uh, accomplished her task. And so, uh, Nancy, thanks so much for joining us. It's been a real pleasure. Dennis, thank you so much. Totally enjoyed it.